Imagine if each morning when you wake up, you're smiling and looking forward to your day, knowing you are happy even while you're dealing with grief and loss. The Grief and Happiness Podcasts inspires, comforts, and supports you with each new episode. I'm Emily Zerothret, welcoming you to explore with me your life of endless possibilities. Aloha. I am so happy to have Brent Scarpo here with me today. He is uh, just a marvelous human being and has this precious story. I just absolutely love this experience that he had, and I, I wanted to bring him here so he could share it with you because, as you know, I feel strongly about that you can be happy and grieve at the same time, and this story is the absolute perfect example of that. So, uh, Brent, would you like to tell us a little bit about you and then tell us your story? Well, aloha, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. I can't. I wish I was where you were, but I'm in California, <laughs> Palm Springs. So we it's have some of the same weather. Yeah. Not bad, not bad. It sure beats being on the East Coast right now <laughs> or being up uh, north when they had all that rain and such. But no, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here. Yes, uh, my name is Brent Scarpo. And uh I am a speaker. I'm a life coach. I'm an intuitive life coach. So I you know, was born with these special abilities to be able to read human beings and to you know get deep inside to figure out what are the blocks that are keeping you from making you know all the joy and happiness that you want to come to your life come to fruition. And um, you know, as you, we have seen. Life does not have its lack of challenges. And, uh, you know, I've often said to my clients, it's not about the problem. It's about your relationship to the problem. And so in, you know, in 30 seconds or less, you know, I have two passions, the entertainment industry and education. Um, I've known since I was seven years old that I want to become an actor. I moved from Pennsylvania to California. I studied at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts after uh, bringing my degree in English literature and communication to California. Um, I had some success you know, with some movies, some television, some commercials, but what really put me on the map was uh, a friend of mine, you know, and it's, you know, to your point about happiness, you never know when happiness is going to show up. I, I've realized that the more I let go, the happier I become, you know, it's like, I have that, you know, there's that whole concept that, you know, you have a plan and your higher power has a plan, you know, and it's, it's the merging of the two. So a friend of mine asked me if I would be an assistant casting director. I said, no, three times. I wasn't interested. And she just begged me. And finally, I said, well, what is this film that, you know, we would be working on? Well, it turns out to be a film called The Shawshank Redemption. Wow. And so I worked on one of the top 10 films. I use it in my life coaching practice, uh, how to overcome, you know, challenges and tragedies and such and how to be happy. And then uh, I opened up my own casting company. Then I put a documentary together on anti-bullying, spent 10 years across the country. And then right now I'm a life coach. Um, I do consulting. Um, I spent this entire week. In fact, today I was speaking along with my lovely dog, Sophia. We do a program called Red Ribbon Week every year, the last 10 days of October. And so I literally had three programs today, two middle schools and a high school. Um, mm. Literally, talking about choices and the choices that you make can bring you to a place of joy and happiness. The story that you know really changed my life in terms of the book that's about to come out is it's called The Red Balloon. You've seen it. It's on YouTube. Um, I won a contest on the Today Show called Everybody Has a Story. And basically what they did is they 
uh, I, I happened to be in Atlanta, Georgia. I was waiting for my plane. I looked up. There was Kathy Lee Gifford. There was no sound. And then it said, everybody has a story contest. And, you know, my spirit, and I think if you listen to your spirit, if you really take time to get quiet and listen inside, and we don't really do that too often nowadays. You can find that place of joy no matter what it is that you're going through. So I submitted my story. It's about the death of my mom. Probably the biggest challenge I've ever gone through in my entire life. And how we proved that there was life after death. Um, I didn't know they were going to get 100,000 stories. I didn't know they were going to pick eight winners. And I clearly did not know I was going to be winner number eight. Wow. That's, that's, what are the odds, you know, and it's, it was meant to be. <laughs> it was meant to be. Absolutely. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. It's, I remember even when, because what they did with the show is once a week on a Monday, they picked the winner and they asked you, uh, and I knew that I was in the running, but it was really unclear what was going to go on um, to be available on a Monday because they did it on live television. Oh, so wow. if you're a millennial or younger, you have no idea what live television is. <laughs> so yeah. this, you know, this was live TV. And I remember, you know, I'd watched the seven episodes and, not, you know, I hadn't gotten picked. And I was actually in home. I got off a plane. I was in Palm Springs. I turned on the TV. There's Kathy. Gifford and Hoda. And, you know, Kathy's like, you know, well, this is kind of a sad day. It's our last week. And she's like, well, we're going to be calling Palm Springs, California. And oh. I had my cell phone. I know. I was making my bed. And I went, no. Oh. And then the next thing I knew, and this is on YouTube as well, there's my picture. And Kathleen said, and we're going to be calling Brent Scarpo. And then my cell phone went off. Oh, and, wow. I, and I remember I saw my cell phone. I'm like, pick it up. Pick it up, pick up the cell phone, pick up the cell phone. Right? Absolutely. It's a shock. And I was like, and I pick up the cell phone and you know, we did our little bit. Uh, I flew out on a Tuesday. We did pre-production on Wednesday and we shot it on Thursday. And you know, what's interesting. I'm just thinking now I'm having a moment into, I love what you share that even in the face of grief, you can find joyous moments because the story is about the death of my mom. You know, and uh, to be able to go out there and to have this experience, well, what they did is they took all, and these were some major stories. I mean, I saw the first seven. I thought, there's no way they're going to pick me, right? And um, every story, Kathy Lee Gifford's lyricist wrote a song. And they had a Broadway singer come each week and sing a song. So talk about something that's tragic in your life and then put a music to it. Hmm. I, I know it, it really watching the video of uh, that experience for you was just, it was amazing. I thought, how, how do you do that? <laughs> how could you sit there yeah. and... And have the experience and, and live it because, you know, that's what grief is about is living those moments from moments to moment and having them change over the course of time where you go from insane amount of emotional pain to, you know, living with the experience of the memory of, you know, those that we lost or what it is that we lost. For those of you that are listening, you actually can go onto YouTube and you put Brent Scarpo, the Today Show, and you can actually watch it yourself. But yeah, it's, um, you know, my mom was very interesting. She, we always talked about this. And when John Lennon died, my mom was a big Beatles fan. And she, she, was, she was quite moved by the fact that he had passed. And so I was reading up on it. And in the New York Times, it said how Yoko Ono and he talked about death and dying all the time. And they decided that they would bring a sign back to the other person. And the goal was, if that sign came back, everything they talked about when it comes to death and dying was true. 
So they decided on a yellow handkerchief. Now I never found out whether it came back, but I, you know, I shared the story with my mom and my mother being who she was. She said, well, we have to do that. And I'm like, we do. She said, yeah, absolutely. I said, oh, okay. Well, what are we, what are we going to have for a sign? And she said, well, what do you think? Well, I was always, I loved the French film about the red balloon. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a French film uh, in the late 1950s that won an Oscar for cinematography. I saw it in second grade. So uh, for some reason, that image came into my brain. I said, let's just do a red balloon. She said, okay, that sounds great. But my mother had prerequisites. So it was a red balloon. We couldn't tell anybody. Don't tell your sister, your brother, your grandmother. It's just our little secret. And for years, you know, we'd have friends and family members that passed. We'd be at the church and we'd whisper to each other, don't forget about our red balloon. And we just kept this up. Well, as you saw in the story, I'm an intuitive life coach. Uh, People can go to brentscarpo.com and see what it is that I do. And I woke up at three o'clock in the morning uh, in 1995, and I got a message that my mother had cancer. Now, I can either choose to listen to the message or choose not to. But I stayed up the whole night. I called my mother, and I asked her when was the last time that she had a physical. And she said, well, five years ago when I moved from Pennsylvania here to California. I was like, mom, you got to take care of yourself. So I made an appointment with my doctor and everything turned out fine. It really was. She was quite healthy, um, except for the small mass on her right lung. Mm. So we come up to find out that, in fact, she had cancer. So over the next year and a half, I became a primary caregiver. And sadly, uh, shortly after Christmas in 96, it had metastasized to her brain. Mm. So we had to make those, you know, horrible choices on what to do. We decided to go with hospice, which is just a godsend. And it was about 36 days that she was in hospice. But, you know, my sister, my brother, my grandmother had flown out from Pennsylvania. And, you know, we never said anything. I never said anything to anybody about the balloon. But as we were getting close to her transition, I said, I better say something just in case, you know, if I'm not here and something crazy happens. You know, I'll tell you the, the crazy thought that I had in my head as my mother's dying, I thought, Dear God, if a red balloon just, you know, appears in the middle of the room and I'm not there and my grandmother's there who was 87 at the time and she has a heart attack, then I've got two dead people in my hand instead of one. Right? I was like, I got to say something. So I sat sat them all down and I explained. And my grandma said, what's the sign? I said, I can't tell you. We've kept it for so many years. Right? And so it was, I was doing a play called The Boys Next Door. I played the part of a schizophrenic. I had so much material to draw from. And you know what's so interesting? I've often heard that when the loved one knows that he or she is going to make the transition, they try not to do it on a day that's like a birthday or Christmas or something like that. Not always does it happen, but my mother passed away on closing night. Oh, wow. I first, because I was like, I told the director, I was like, so my mother has cancer. I know the show must go on, but just letting you know. So it was one o'clock in the morning. I was driving from Long Beach. It was pouring down rain and it does not rain in California. And my sister, to show you how old this was, paged me. And I pulled off the side of the road. I called and she said, mom just passed. Well, my sister lived below me in the apartment complex. So we were both in the same building. So I walk in, my grandmother was there in tears, my, my sister. And, you know, there's, there's my mom and she was my best friend. I mean, if you looked up the, the, the definition of a mama's boy, my picture is probably in Webster's dictionary. And, uh, I just saw her, you know, I saw her there and 
I went to walk over and I, I emotionally, you know, I just gotten off stage and I thought I'm not, I'm just not going to make it. And then as I walked over, I remembered the crazy red balloon. So then all of a sudden I just like my, my emotions shifted, you know, and I looked at my grandmother and my sister and I said, did anybody see anything Did any? And my grandma was like, no, I was like, huh? Okay. Now let me share this with you. When we decided on the red balloon, my mother also said, look, it's a red balloon and it has to be in the first 24 hours of the death of the person that passed. She said, none of this six weeks stuff, none of this two weeks from now stuff, none of this a year. No, 24 hours are all this is a bunch of hooey, right? So I was like, holy mackerel. So I said, okay, well, nothing happened. She'd been passed for about an hour and a half. I walk over to her traditional hospital bed. The sheet was up to her chest and I went to kiss her on the forehead. And I just was not going to make it. And, you know, this is so indicative of what you share about trying to find joy within the experience of grief. Because I looked down and I saw this little tiny little bit of red on her sweatshirt. And I don't know even why I saw it. I mean, I do. And I looked and for some reason, I took the sheets and I pulled them down. And imprinted on my mother's blue sweatshirt with this white Pico collar was this phenomenal bouquet of red balloons. And I, <laughs> I went from pure devastation and distraught to just like, you know, you know, you believe in this stuff, but when it really happens, wow, that's even more. And the fact that I could be shocked by this, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, and I remember just like, I could feel her around me and I'm like, you did it. You did it. Not 24 hours, two minutes. Yeah. Even let two minutes, you know, I was like, oh my, and my sister and my, my grandma like, what is going on? What are you talking about? What's going on? I mean, my mother's dead on the, you know, you, on the hospital, but I'm like the sign, the sign, it's a bouquet of red balloons. Wait a minute. Where did this sweatshirt come from? Right. And my sister and this is not in the Today Show episode, I don't think. My sister looked at me and said, oh, my gosh. So my sister was in charge of all the medical. I was doing the, you know, kind of supervising everything. And then my brother was in and out because he lived kind of far away. And apparently that morning, my mother was very fastidious about you know, her clothes. And she, you know, liked to take a bath every day and, and, and you know, be changed. And my sister realized that she hadn't done it for three or four days. And it took two people to do that because she was in an unconscious state. So she called the nurse and said, hey, is there any way you can come, the hospice nurse, and help me? I, I need to change my mom. And the nurse said, I'm so sorry. We can't. We have major emergencies at the hospital. I can come by tomorrow. Well, my sister's, she's a force to be reckoned with. So she's like, she went inside her bedroom. She grabbed the first sweatshirt or piece of clothes that was on the pile that I brought down 30 days beforehand, wrestled the sweatshirt that my mother had on off, put that one on. And that's the one that had the red balloons. Wow. It's just absolutely amazing. Things like that do happen, you know? <laughs> oh, absolutely. So, you know, it's not only, and I'll take it a step further, not only do happen, but my goal, my book is called the red balloon. Uh, transform your life one inspirational story at a time. It's coming out Mother's Day of 2022. 
In fact, if people want to email me, brent at brentscarpo.com, you'll get on my specialized book list. We're having this major uh, GoFundMe page because we're making a community. We're going to be doing donations once a month to various charities for the rest of my life. One of the things that the book does, it just talks about what you you talk about. And it's like, how do you overcome the major challenges in your life? And what are the life lessons that you can learn? How can you get to that place of of joy? And um, one of the things that I'm going to do... a separate book, like a little ebook, um, especially for people that you know go to my GoFundMe page and become part of our community, is teach them how to do this. Right? Mm-hmm. We don't, you know, it's funny. We prepare for life, but we don't prepare for death. You know, I had this moment yesterday, and my mother's been passed for 25 years now. In fact, I just got back from Pennsylvania. I drove across uh, from here to Pennsylvania. I'm finishing up the book before it goes to the editor. And then I drove back. I literally got back three days ago to California. And I love driving. I just love it. I can, you know, unlike a plane, I can't ask the pilot just to sit, you know, can you can you pull up in front, you know, peach tree? I'd like to get some peaches. I can, I can do it when I drive. And I had this, like, thought because uh, I decided to drive to Pennsylvania because I had seen my mother's uh, grave site. And, you know, and these can get kind of dilapidated over time. So I went there and I will have this on my Facebook page, January 26th. Um, if people want to, you know, FaceTime me or uh, become Facebook friends, I redid my mother's entire gravestone. I cleaned wow. it. It is, it was one of the greatest things that I could do for my mom. And it was so much work. It was so much, it was 25 years of the elements, but it looks absolutely amazing. And when I was driving back, you know, I was just thinking about her death and my life and how to find joy in the moments. And I still miss her to this day. And, and I had this aha moment where I said, because my book is about the relationship with my mom and all the wisdom that she taught me right? Because I speak for a living and a lot of people say, oh my gosh, do you have any of those stories written down? And at the time I hadn't. And so I was kind of mulling over as I was driving all the lessons in the book. And I had this moment and I said to myself, you know, of all the things that my mother taught me, and she taught me a lot, I realized driving back here after 25 years of burying my mother, that there was one lesson that my mother did not teach me. And that was how to live without her. Yeah. I mean, even after 25 years, and it was such a monumental moment. I think I was in Idaho or Utah, and I pulled off the side of the road. And I had these tears of joy that came down my face because there were so many lessons that she did. But I realized that so much of human beings' grief is that we don't teach people how to live without us. And I think it's such an important lesson. And so I do, I, I, I'm going to have this ebook and it's going to teach you to do exactly what I did because everybody can do it. You know, you can, you know, there's, a, I think a way to do it. We are very specific because I've had people say, oh yeah, I remember when my, when my grandmother passed and there were butterflies all around her grave. She loved butterflies. That was her thing, right? They didn't really create what to do like I did, but they were open enough to see, you know, that, that opportunity. I want people to prepare for death, to prepare for the signs and to actually put action steps together so that when those moments hit you after your loved one has passed, that you can have that moment of a red balloon. The last chapter of my book is red balloon sightings today. 
Uh, no, it actually was on Monday. So this is called Red Ribbon Week, and it's a national uh, week in, in the world of education. And I've been doing it six years in a row, so you think I would remember. So I walked in, and right when I walked in, the first school on Monday, there was massive amounts of red balloons. Oh, wow. That's what they, that's what they have. I went, oh, thank you, Mom. <laughs> you know, so yeah, it's, um, it's so important. We know the, the steps of grieving, but I, I do like you believe that within the process, you can find those moments. It's not to say that we're denying our, our grief, but what it does say is that, and, um, one of the best, one of the best stories I heard, uh, cause I went to grief therapy for two years and it's how I just became, you know, a bit of an expert when it comes to that. And I remember this one speaker came in and, and uh, he asked everybody, how many people want to be happy, right? And we all raised our hand, we want to be happy. And he said, he goes, I don't think I want to be happy. And we're like, where is this going, right? He said, you know, I think happiness is a little overrated. He said, so many people are trying to be happy. And then when they get there, they're dissatisfied or they're disappointed, or it takes all this work to try to keep everything happy. If happiness is this thing that you put on a shelf, I did this, I did this work, I paid off this debt, I did all, I did all this. Now I'm happy until the next thing that happens, it takes you away from the happiness. And you're like, oh, I'm not happy anymore. And what he said, he goes, I'm looking more to be joyful right? To be in joy. He said, let me give you an example. He said, last week, my newborn baby uh, was three months old, all of a sudden was screaming at three o'clock in the morning. We took his temperature and had a temperature of 103. Now babies, yeah, you know exactly. Newborn babies, 103, that is big old danger sign. So they call the ambulance, you know, they're in the ambulance, he, the, the wife and the, uh, the father who was speaking there, baby screaming, they're, the ambulance drivers are, he said, there was a moment that I saw my child screaming with a temperature of 103. He said, but there was also a moment that I experienced joy, right? The joy of my child being born didn't leave me. The joy of loving my wife didn't leave me. The joy of, you know, having the times that we had with my child up until the moment he had a temperature of 103, we're still there. No one could, that, that 103 temperature could not take that away. He said, that's where I went to. I'm not happy that my child has 103 temperature, but I'm joyful in all the moments that we had up into that moment in time, and I could still deal with him having a temperature of 103. Well, the child, you know, they got the medicine that it got, and it turned out everything to be fine. But so many of us, you know, when something bad happens, well, there it is. My life is crap. My life is crap. I can't, you know, no, no, no. You know, find the joy in all the moments, even the, the, you know, I always say in life, it's about recognizing the good, the bad, the ugly, and the beautiful, because Mm -hmm. all four of those are in our lives. That's right. You know, you, you talking about that reminded me of a, something that happened to me. My husband and I used to sit out on the, we call it a lanai here. It's like a deck outside and we've got this view forever. And it, it's just a, a wonderful place to be. And we spent a lot of time out there. And when we were out there, there were butterflies that, that were in that area all the time. And it wasn't unusual for them to come and land on Ron. They never landed on me, but they land on Ron. And he told me, he said, there's, there's going to come a day where you're going to see a butterfly and you're going to know that that's a message for me. Oh. So, uh, and 
during the pandemic, my my sister is on the mainland and I'm here in Hawaii and she died. And it was at a time where you couldn't fly. You couldn't, I couldn't get over there. I couldn't do anything. And uh, it was, it was tough. And I thought I I have to do something for me to just kind of take care of me in this situation. And I remembered that when uh, my husband died and we did an ash scattering service out in the ocean, we hadn't lived here that long, but Everybody that we'd met, I think, since we got on the island, showed up for the ash scattering service. I mean, the the doctor, (laughs) the the Mm. housekeeper, the gardener, you know, just all of our neighbors, whoever we met. And they all brought these like paper bags full of flowers that they had picked out of their gardens. And so when we got on the canoes and and rode out into the ocean, Mm. we scattered the flowers along with the ashes. And Mm. so I thought, you know, I'm just going to pick flowers out of my garden because you know you're in Hawaii there's always flowers and I I picked lots of of flowers and a friend of mine offered to drive me down to the ocean and so we we went to this beautiful place and because it was during the pandemic there was nobody there we're here on on the side of the ocean we're in a place called La Perouse which is is mostly lava rock so you're not like standing on sand it's just standing on on uh black lava that's hard but the water comes up to it just like it would any place else and i threw the just sit there and kept throwing the water the the flowers out in the water and i was trying to take pictures of them but the water was so clear in the water anytime i had been to the beach before the pandemic i had never seen clear water like that here it's relatively clear but this was just crystal clear you couldn't tell that the flowers were floating on top of the water because you couldn't mm. see the water. You could just see the lava underneath. And then these, these flowers that looked like they were laying on the lava. It was, it was that pristine and that beautiful. And I'm just standing there silently and thinking about the beauty of this and about my sister and the whole thing. And the, the person who drove me there tapped me on the shoulder and he pointed down and so I looked down and there was a butterfly on my toe. Oh, you know, <laughs> you can't, you can't write this. You yeah. know, you just can't. And the fact that your husband said this, you chose to listen, mm-hmm. right? Which is so much part of it. It's just, you know, just believing in that, being accept that, you know, the red balloon uh, mm-hmm. and then recognizing it when it happens it's 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 what i want every human being on the planet to do it's why i'm writing this ebook it's like look there's just a few steps that you have to do one of the things that we did because when we had the plan i said to my mom i said well this is all well and good and we you're not going to say anything to anybody but you know how's the other person going to prove this you know kind of deal and she's like that's a really good question so what i did was is i wrote up the scenario. This is back in the eighties, I think. And, um, you know, remember, remember when you want to copyright something, the old school was put it in an envelope, mm-hmm. mail it to yourself. And you, that's what we I did. That. So we mail, I mailed it to myself, the postmark. And, uh, I remember when my mother passed away, you know, I had that envelope and I opened it up in front of my family and such, and I showed them and, you know, and what was interesting is 
when it was all said and done, and I don't know, like you, my mother was cremated. And I remember the crematorium saying, you know, is there anything special you want to add to, you know, the ashes? And I said, well, like what? And he said, you know, just any kind of token or whatever, certain things you could or couldn't put in there. And I decided to put the letter in. Oh. You know, I took the letter. I said, yeah, put this with her, you know, because we had proven everything that we needed mm-hmm. to prove. I didn't need to, you know, and I didn't think I was going to be writing a book for pity's sake. Yeah. But just, just to have that, you know, that validity and to be open to the idea. And I just think, especially now, you know, as you, and I'm so sorry to hear of the death of your sister, I believe you said mm-hmm. during COVID, we've been through so much of it. And I think we're just not well, we clearly weren't prepared for this mm-hmm. COVID. We were, we just weren't. Here it is, and we weren't. But I think there's so much we can do to be prepared to make the grieving not only one of trying to deal with the pain and the loss, but to bring in, to have the butterfly land on the toe moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. It just also reminded me of another experience I just had that was amazing to me. I had had this concept. I've been teaching people how to, to do different writing techniques to help them with their grief. And it's been really successful. People just love it. And I also just recently became a happy for no reason certified trainer with uh, Marcy Shimoff. And I'm combining the happiness and, and the writing at the same time. And I thought, why don't I create this online alliance, like a, a membership program where people can come together every week and we can write and they can get to know each other and we can do happiness practices. And I thought with so many people that are saying grief and happiness, <laughs> I thought I'd better try it out. So I invited uh, kind of a big group of people and I said, would you like to be in a pilot program so we can just test out this concept and see what happens? And so we did, and everybody who said they were going to come came, which never mm-hmm. happens. Right. And it, it was really great. The whole thing was great. And on the, the final meeting that we had, at the end of the meeting, one of the people who I'd gotten to know her through the, the writing, she lived in Ohio and I'm in Maui, but we, I felt like she was a really good friend and had helped me a lot. And at the, the end of the meeting, she just said, I've got something to say. And she said it. It was like a prayer, just this big, she was a minister, this big, full thing that she said, this is an idea whose time has come. Mm. And we'll all work together to support this because it's so needed and so valuable. And it just, just kind of took my breath away. Yep. Well, two days later, she died. <gasps> and I didn't anticipate that (laughs) and I was writing like all afternoon I just kind of it really got to me and I deal with things by writing so I was writing and writing finally thought I'm going to write a letter to my husband and tell him I wish he was there and he could tell me you know if I'm doing the right thing and you know what what am I Am, am I doing what, what I'm supposed to be should doing I go, right should now? I stop? Yeah. Or I, yeah, give me some answers, please. So I barely got that started when I heard his voice just as clear as day say, I already told you on Sunday through her, uh, what she oh. said at the end of the meeting, that this is an idea oh. that whose time has come, because that's what I was asking him about. And, yeah. you know, this stuff is real. You know, and, and some yes. some people are open and can see things that happen and other people don't get the joy or the benefit of 
having that kind of experience because they're, they're just not open to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, I've seen it many times just even, well, even in my own practice of life coaching, right? So one of the things that I do, and uh, I, I would love to offer it to your listeners as well. So I do an intuitive reading, a complimentary strategic intuitive reading, you know, for, for pretty much anybody, whether you choose to work with me or not. If you like text, please don't call. You can text, let's put, uh, you can text loving to 760-835-3327. Give me some time to get back to you. It'll take less than 24 hours. But yeah, I set up this intuitive reading. It's about an hour. It's completely complimentary, but it gives you an idea of exactly you know, what I do and gives you tools in the toolbox right there and then. Um, mm-hmm. What you do with that, though, is up to you. you know? So to your point, you know, how many of us you know, have had clients where, you know, they want a life coach or they want to seek the answers they want to see, you know, and then there's that moment where they just, you know, fear overcomes them and they decide that, no, it's not something I'm going to do, you know, and it it always pains me horribly because you know that they're desperate for answers. You know that they want it. They've come this close to getting to that edge where they're willing to, yes, I have to do this at, to your point, the time is now. And then when, and then they reverse it. And I, I just, all I do is just say my little prayer for them, (laughs) you know, and just hope and just like, but you know, it's so hard for us as coaches to look at that and to see and to know, Mm -hmm. but again, to your point, it's the greatest gift that you can give yourself to grieve, to get a coach, to be open to the idea. Oh, that's not a butterfly on a toe. That is so much. That's not a red balloon. That's Mm -hmm. so much more. I remember I mean, the red balloon stories are probably a book in of itself. But for me, I always, you know, when I share the story and I was in Colorado, this is about 2001 it was. And, um, you know, everyone knows about the red balloon. I was sharing it. I spoke to a lot of grief groups and such. And I remember we were in my assistant and I, and there was about four people, four people, 10 of us. And we were kind of, if you've been to Colorado, they have, you know, different restaurants and such. We were at this restaurant that was up on a hill. There's not a lot up there. Beautiful restaurant. I don't remember the name, but I was sitting uh, my back to the window. My assistant, he was at the very end and then there was four people on each side. And so we're just, you know, enjoying what we're doing. I was putting my documentary together at that time. And, you know, my sister, oh, tell him about the red balloon. I was like, oh, okay. And so I'm telling the, the whole story, the whole nine yards. And, you know, the windows on the restaurant were like these cathedral windows, right? And, you know, outside was just the greenery and the forest and such. And I'm telling the story. And all of a sudden I look at my assistant at the end of the table and his face just turns. Like, I'm like, what is he doing, right? And all of a sudden he stands up. He goes, oh my God, look. And I turn around and this red balloon just floats by. Now, if I have that story, I have a hundred of those. Wow. you, You have to put the energy out there. If there's anything your listeners get today, Mm -hmm. right? Again, you can text me, you can ask me about the steps and such. Um, I think the best red balloon story was I had hired a new assistant. I came back to LA and she was, do you want to do more? She said, I want to be a speaker because I put a anti-bullying program together, how to transform hate into love and understanding, joy and acceptance. And it was a big program we've had for over 10 years. So she said, I want to be able to speak on, I think I could do it. I'm like, yeah, you know, we have more demand than we've got people. So, and she was a very good speaker. So she's from Dallas, Texas. So she's doing her first program. Now, you know, 
by this time, it's probably a good seven years since my mother passed. Yeah, there's been lots of red balloon stories. She knew it. She would share it once in a while when she spoke. And so I said, okay, you're all set. You're good. Yeah, I think she was going to Florida. That's right. And we had a program on random acts of kindness. That's what we were doing. She's very good at that. So she goes from Palm Springs, Dallas, layover, Dallas, Tampa, right? Okay. So again, you know, we do this, but what I love about me, and, and I am feeling from you, it's one thing to know it, and it's another thing to practice it. But mm-hmm. to take the knowing and the practice, and it actually happens in front of you, I just get tickled. I get tickled. Yeah. Pink. I just like, <laughs> so I get this phone call from my assistant, Patty, and she's like, I have to talk to you. I was like, is everything okay? She's like, yeah, I'm in Dallas, Texas. I'm at, I'm at the Dallas airport. And I was like, is everything all right? Yeah, I just have to I, I just have to share something before I get on the plane. I'm like, okay, well, calm down. You're okay. Yep, the plane's okay. Yep, you're okay. What, what's going on? She said, your mother. Oh my gosh, your mother. Because I always tell people, and especially now, so now that people are listening, mm-hmm. I will almost guarantee that in the next 72 hours, you're going to see a red balloon. And my mother has sent it to you. Patty says to me, I'm sitting here in the Dallas airport, just minding my business, waiting for my plane. And she said, I look like maybe, I don't know, six, seven, eight blocks or so, you know, Dallas airport. And she sees this little boy, seven years old, seven, eight years old, carrying a red balloon. I was like, oh, wow. I said, okay. I said, Patty, you know, that's my mom. You're doing your first program. She said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. That's not why I'm calling you. I said, uh, okay, why are you calling me? Because I saw the little boy and that's exactly what I thought. Your mom is here. She's trying to, you know, keep me at peace and, and I'm so proud of you. And then this little boy starts walking and he's walking and he's coming, as Patty shared with me, towards her. And she just watches him and she's thinking, what are you doing? And about two minutes, this little boy came up to my assistant, Patty, and said, I'm supposed to give this to you. (laughs) She's like, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. I can't. She's like, I can't breathe. She's like, I'm holding this red balloon. And I, and I was like, what, you know, and I've had these kinds of things happen. And she said, but I'm holding this red balloon. The seven-year-old boy came over and said, I'm supposed to give this to you and just walked away, like walked away. Like, I don't know where he is anymore. And she's like, so, you know, to the level to you believe is what comes to fruition, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's just, you know, whether it's the butterfly in the toe my friend and his little boy, who knows, you know, or, you know, the red balloon I see today, those, the ability to be able to create that now while we're alive is in hopes that that will be available to you, like what your husband said to you about Mm -hmm. the butterfly, so that you can, as you say so wisely, bring the joy and the grief together into one. Yes. Absolutely. This is this has been an amazing talk. I, I just I could talk to you all night. Uh, but we do need to tie it up here. Sure. I would uh, love to put all of the the links and numbers and things that you gave me in the show notes for the podcast. Absolutely. So that Absolutely. Uh, I know that it was going kind of quickly and it'd be hard to write them down as we were talking. But. Yeah, no problem. You can put all those down. My website, my email, the phone numbers. Yeah. It, your listeners, feel free to use them. I I will answer you. 
That's so wonderful. Thank you so much for that. And I'll have that there available for everybody. And thank you so much for being here. You just have really brightened my day and my life. There we go. (laughs) As you you did mine. We brightened it together. Thank you for having me. I I, I look forward to coming back one day. Maybe when the book comes out, we'll do something really amazing. I would love to do that. Yes, yes. That would be wonderful. I'd love to do that. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I'll see my listeners again next week. Do you want more comfort, support, and happiness? Join the Grief and Happiness Alliance. Visit my website at lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com and read my book, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, rate it, review it, and binge on all our episodes on grief and happiness. I can't wait to welcome you back to another episode.